0: Let's get started.
1: Hey there, welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. I am Jennifer. And I'm Corey. And today we're going to talk about how all of the things that forced us to pivot in 2020 are actually playing into our marketing in 2021. And I want to welcome everybody to the first episode of the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast for 2021 and say sayonara, see ya, don't let the door hit you on the way out, 2020. Thanks everybody for joining us.
2: We made it. How exciting is that?
1: (laughs) Seriously. So let's go ahead and get started. And today we're going to talk about kind of patient expectations, patient experience, and what you need to be thinking about for 2021, let's go ahead and get right to it. I want to talk about some disruptions from a payer standpoint and how that landscape is really going to provide an opportunity specifically with some of the practice we work with since we have so many practices in the Sunbelt states. I think some of the payer disruptions are going to lead to some bigger changes in 2021 and beyond. Certainly some things that are going on from a privacy standpoint are going to force practices to pivot in 2021, but at least conversations and 2021, but certainly closer to the year after. And then also there's been a lot of dating going on in our office dating that's been happening, but I think finally we're ready to go to the wedding and we need to talk about the big pivot of the marriage between operations in marketing, because I think that is a big area in 2021 that the practices out there that are listening to the podcast are going to want to pay attention to. So with that, let's be happy again that 2020 is officially over. And let's get talking about some of the big changes that 2020 is going to impact here as we start this new year. So let's talk a little bit about patient expectations. And what are you seeing out there, Corey, from a standpoint of patient expectations?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot has happened that forced us to To pivot over this past year in 2020. And I think that some of these trends are going to definitely stick around for 2021. And we know that the expectations and the mindset and the patient experience really has changed in quite a lot of ways. I think number one, you got to talk about telemedicine, right? I mean, that's kind of the pivot to start all pivots. Everyone now has some form of telemedicine, a lot of providers that were on the fence about it, or maybe pre pandemic were, were setting up the telemedicine solution that they wanted to go with or try, kind of like dipping their toe in the water, if you will. But the events of 2020 definitely pushed them over. So now it's a part of day-to-day clinic schedules for many, if not all of the practices that we work with. And when it comes to marketing those things, operations and just sort of the daily kind of clinic flow, it's been a huge pivot. And I do not see that going away anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and I will say I've had a bunch of conversations with companies who are diving into the telemedicine space, not just from like straight care delivery, like I'm a practice, I need to have a telemedicine solution to deliver to my patients. But now there's entire companies out there that are working to erode what's needed at a local level, because now you can visit your doctor from anywhere with some of the changes from a regulatory standpoint, and then potentially some of the changes that will continue into next year, you see for the very first time, large telemedicine companies that really potentially are the practice of the future. And those telemedicine companies are advertising on TV, are advertising you know on Pandora or on Spotify, you name it, really trying to go out there and get that primary care audience that employer audience and then also potentially partnering with specialists for the trickle down when they have to refer and so i think that the pivot from a mindset standpoint is absolutely i need something as a solution in my practice but the the future of healthcare delivery in general could change because there has been a major disruption in the way that we've delivered during 2020. And so from a strategic standpoint, big blue ocean strategy out there, like what is it that practices that we work with on a day-to-day basis or that are in the business of delivering care in their community, how will this big pivot in the way that healthcare is delivered through telemedicine change the way that the local folks market their practice? And I think that's the bigger kind of conversation that's out there is that the expectation from a consumer standpoint is, oh, I need to go to the doctor. Let me just go to abcmd.com, sign up with my insurance or self-pay option because I no longer have a job and go ahead and get a quick diagnosis via telemedicine. And I think that's the bigger issue from a pivot standpoint.
2: Yeah, I think the shift has been in the experience as a whole and being comfortable with the experience because I know that that was one of the big things that was kind of holding this telemedicine and revolution back was people were just saying, well, I, I need to go to the doctor. He needs to, he or she needs to examine me in person. And now people are more okay with the idea of just sitting in front of a computer or using a phone to kind of do those things. And to your point about the primary care networks, I've started to see too, and I know, I know you have as well, that there are, telemedicine groups popping up for subspecialties as well. I Actually, I was doing some research the other day, and I got an ad from a neurosurgery telemedicine specific company where the ad was essentially telling me to sign up for a second opinion with this neurosurgery group. And then I could schedule one appointment and get a second opinion from them. And, and like you said, it was super simple. And it gave me the option to either sign up with insurance or do self pay, whatever the case may be. But I've started to see those for orthopedics and for ENTs. And I think that in 2021, that's something that we're going to see a lot more of because you don't have to now thanks to telemedicine market just to the person down the street, you could market to someone five states away.
1: Yeah. And I think part of the pivot for 2021 is that who you market to might be changing and that partnerships are going to drive, are going to have so much more value than they did in the past. Because if you've got large primary care type Of providers using like the practice of the future, which could be telemedicine, they're still going to need those local referrals to a specialist. And so when we talk about, you know, what does referral marketing look like for this next year and this kind of new era that we're entering into that referral marketing also involves like accessing those telemedicine providers. And so I just think there's a bunch of stuff regarding telemedicine that is going to force us all to pivot, not just in the day-to-day delivery of care, but also in the way that we are marketing our practices. But if it, so let's just, let's go back to if I'm a practice and I need a telemedicine solution, especially as we look at the Biden presidency taking hold, we know there's going to be a hundred day mask mandate. There may end up being some additional restrictions put on individuals while we get the virus completely under control. And as we roll out the vaccinations, there may be a need for folks out there to double down on telemedicine for at least another couple of months. And if that's the case from a marketing perspective, what is it that we need to be paying attention to?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of folks uh, you know, during the height of the pandemic, they rolled out this telemedicine solution. And now that the doors are open and offices are somewhat back to normal, a lot of folks are kind of putting it on the back burner again and saying, Yeah, we can use telemedicine, but let's not focus on it. Let's not market it. And there's a potential for a missed opportunity there. There's some low hanging fruit, some easy things that you can adjust in your practice to kind of up your telemedicine game, if you will. Number one is just making sure that it is prominent on your website. If you have a big slider on the top of your website, you may want to do some sort of messaging there, advertising that you do in fact have telemedicine. And then of course, on social media channels, I had mentioned a few minutes ago about some of the ads that I'm seeing. So there's a potential there. And again, you can market to people that are in your area or a little bit further away from you, you know, your typical radius would be five to 10 miles, but with telemedicine, you can go quite a bit further than that. Uh, You also have the option to reengage some patients that, of course, depending on your specialty that you haven't seen in quite a while through email and say, Hey, uh, we haven't seen you, you don't have to come into the office, but If you wanna be seen for whatever, then you can use our telemedicine option. And of course, adding it to any of your existing collateral in your campaigns, just to say that you've got in-person and telemedicine appointments. These are just quick things you can do that's going to help fill that telemedicine block of schedule that you have. I mean, if you have lobby videos, it's another great option there just to advertise to your existing patients that this is another option. And if you are sitting in the lobby, which depending on where you are and how busy you are, you may or may not have people in the lobby at the moment. But if you do have those videos, it makes sense to throw telemedicine on there as an option.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's good to reinforce that you've got telemedicine. Right. But at this point, the expectation is that you have it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with providers over the last couple months where as surgery centers reopened or as, as like the regular flow of patients. Granted, it was a little different, but as things started getting back to normal, we've had providers say like, look, I don't want to do this telemedicine stuff. I What I really want to do are face to face interactions. Yeah, but the ship has sailed and the expectation is now. Now that I don't want to come in from nine to five, I want to be able to do a telemedicine appointment if possible, especially for follow-ups and things of that nature. So while I think it's important to remind folks that you have telemedicine as an option, by not even having that option, you're going to be missing out on patients at this point, whether they're fully taking advantage of it or not. The reality is the expectation is that you are providing this as a delivery method. And no longer do you have the luxury of saying, I'm not going to get him on board with telemedicine.
2: Exactly. Right. And if you're going to be providing it as an option, you just kind of put in your head that it's going to wind up being a line on your collateral and things like that in person in telemedicine, just so people know.
1: Yeah. And I think that one area it needs to be not just an afterthought, but telemedicine is much deeper in that when you're doing pa- patient testimonials, especially, you should be focused on getting patient testimonials that are addressing the ease of the access, the telemedicine appointment, the result of that appointment, and just, you know, in general, the expect, like overriding the expectation that people are feel fearful of safety or, you know, what's my appointment going to be like? Having your patient testimonials reinforce that telemedicine works or, that my appointment felt safe things of that nature.
2: Yeah, or that the telemedicine appointment was easy, because I think depending on your patient population, a lot of folks may say they may be afraid of technology, I can't do that. That's too confusing for me. So to your point about making it with uh, like using testimonials to actually say and showcase how easy it is to start these appointments, it may help people schedule these and then be okay with the idea of doing and saying, Oh, yeah, I just have to log in or go to this one website, I can do that, you know, I thought it was going to be this whole big process and show that it really is that easy can, again, um, help people decide whether they want to have that appointment or they're just going to sit at home on their hands and rather than come to the office or do telemedicine, they're not going to do anything. So you may as well showcase what you have for a telemedicine option and how easy that is, because that could be a deciding factor for some people, whether they're going to schedule an appointment or just wait six months or never schedule one at all.
3: Are you ready to make marketing easier? Join Dr. Marketing Tips Lab to unlock awesome tools and coaching from the experts you hear every week on this podcast. Hi, my name is Christiana Oyengchi and I'm the Dr. Marketing Tips Lab Community Manager. My job is to make sure you know about all the great features lab has to offer and to answer questions you may have. Speaking of features, your lab membership comes with tons of marketing templates, checklists, webinars, how-to guides, and even a monthly coaching call with Corey, Jennifer, and the entire Dr. Marketing Tips podcast team. Learn more and sign up at com to streamline your marketing and kickstart practice growth today. That's com. See you in the lab soon!
1: Uh, All great points, Corey. So, um, I think telemedicine is here to stay. However, it looks in the future. We're not sure, but it's certainly one of those things that we're going to have to continue pivoting based on what the trends are, something certainly to be paying attention to. So what's kind of the next, um, trend that you've seen that's happened out into like the retail world or the world of consumerism that is going to translate over to what happens in a medical practice?
2: Yeah, I think it's important to say that consumer trends impact patient expectations. And one of the big trends out there right now has been the rise of QR codes. We actually did a podcast probably a couple years ago now, talking about how QR codes were dead. And thanks to COVID and, and the things that we've been to, they are more popular than they ever have been. And you know, you're seeing that a lot. For example, if you go out somewhere, they're doing the contactless menus. So you pull out your phone, scan the QR code, boom, menu for the restaurant pops up. So we're starting to see that with medical practices, we've implemented that at a few that we work with, for example, like a menu of services at a spa, that's one that has come up recently, or scanning for new patient paperwork and kind of offering that touch free option. So you can scan and then fill it in on your phone rather than pass around a clipboard, things like that. So I think that this is another example of technology kind of creating. this this pivot and this shift in expectations or the patient experience when someone walks into the office, they're going to, rather than hand them a stack full of paper, they're going to get used to the idea that it's okay, that this whole thing is going to be digital. And for right now, it looks like that is going to be partially led by QR codes. And, you know, I mean, we're seeing that on everything from like bio cards and rack cards, where you can scan and learn more about your provider or about a specific procedure. Maybe it takes you to a landing page where you're up for a surgery. And if you want to learn more about what's actually going to happen during your surgery, you scan this QR code and then boom, there's a video or a website page where you can learn everything you've ever wanted to know and more about the procedure that you're going to have.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, look, we're getting used to it more and more, especially for people that have been going out to restaurants. I mean, that is the way that you get the menu at this point. I think it's interesting too, though, that QR codes are really, really simple on an Apple phone but not as simple on an Android phone. And so as the technology changes more and more and people as audiences get more familiar, but also as the technologies makes it completely seamless, the expectation will then change. And so there's a lot to be said about using QR codes, you know, to lessen paperwork, to make appointments, um, you know, the about your appointment a little bit easier to find out more about your doctor. Even, to, you know, the QR codes can help you, you know, send people directly to the page where you get, where you do reviews and things of that nature. But I think as the technology continues, Continues to evolve, the rest of us will get on board with it. But we've seen a huge change in the landscape since 2020. And so that will just continue to evolve now. What are some of the other things that you saw happen in 2020 that are going to play out in 2021?
2: Yeah, another thing that we saw was the rise of self scheduling. So it it seems like this was, you know, something that people again, were kind of either on the fence about or it's on the roadmap, it's kind of like a long term, yeah, let's get there sort of thing. But for whatever reason, we have seen a big increase in people rolling out these self scheduling uh, programs, especially in quarter three and quarter four of this year. And that's essentially the ability for patients to book directly on provider schedules. So in the past, a lot of people have, you know, you've been able to request an appointment, And then, you know, someone, some like a scheduler or an assistant of some kind of coordinator would have to then check the schedule, make sure everything was honky dory, and then actually put that patient on the provider's schedule. And uh, now with some direct integration into EHRs, a lot of people are going the route of let's automate this and give the option for folks to book their own appointments and remove the human element of it. And we've seen this happen with varying degrees of success. You know, there's a lot of hurdles to kind of clear as you're you're setting this up. But I think this is something that absolutely in 2021 is going to be huge and a lot more practice, they're going to take advantage of this. And again, going back to patient expectations and the patient experience, when I click on that button that says book appointment, when I'm done, I am expecting to have booked an appointment, not put in a request that's going to require me to answer the phone or get back online or whatever the case may be. I, I want to be done and wipe my hands clean of this task. So I think that people get used to that and that's going to be a big change.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the, the biggest obstacles to overcome is that when you're integrating a self-scheduling option into your practice is maintaining the patient's experience. So what I mean by that is the patient comes to your practice, they click on, I want to schedule my appointment. And it, we know because we're marketers that it's most likely either populating your page with a a window with like a framework or sending your user to a different website before returning them. And what I've seen as we've implemented these self-scheduling softwares with the practices that we work with is that we can control the environment on our websites, but when they go to another website, it's not always a controlled environment. And what I mean by that too is, so you go and in two or three clicks, yeah, I'm willing to do it as a patient. But when it takes me 15 or 20 questions, because what it's doing is it's working through its algorithm. It's eroding my experience as a patient and it's increasing my frustration level to the point that I may abandon that shopping cart or walk away from it. And I don't think that the industry has fully thought through what that experience is. They haven't figured it out. We haven't figured it out like Amazon has, where it's one click ordering. That process needs to get simplified because as you're implementing the self-scheduling, we have to all be thinking about what that patient experience is going to be at 10 PM or 11 PM at night. And the tougher that we make it, or the more questions that we ask, which we often ask to help us operationally, but the more questions we ask, the lesser of the experience for the patient. And so as we pivot into self-scheduling, I think that's something truly to consider, which we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes, but that's where the marriage between marketing and operations really plays into being is that we're putting out there that it's this ease of self-scheduling, but the fact is it's not so easy to do because the offerings haven't caught up to what marketing is putting out there.
2: Yeah. A lot of the practices say, look, we did it, but we don't actually know what we did. So... (laughs) there's the option to do the self scheduling, but the expectation isn't set for what that actually means for me as a patient. And that's one of the disconnects that I see. So again, if I'm able to book great, but there's nothing that tells me, hey, by the way, this is probably going to take like 10 or 15 minutes, and we're going to ask you a ton of questions. So be prepared for what's on the other side when you go to do this, because I think that's where a lot of the frustration that you were mentioning can crop up from. Because you say, oh, yeah, I totally want to book an appointment. And then you're 15 clicks in and it's asking for all this information. You're like, well, I wasn't ready for this level of commitment mm-hmm. and then you abandon it. But if you set that expectation before you even get there, then maybe that improves that conversion
1: rate. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I just think that we all need to keep that in mind as we move forward, that it's great to say we're doing self-scheduling, but the, it erodes it erodes the patient experience. And kind of the last point to that is once somebody schedules the appointment, then what? Because a lot of times we're told from a marketing perspective, go out and tell the world that we're offering self-scheduling, but marketing isn't necessarily at the table when we're implementing the self scheduling process. And so when I click submit, what's the message that gets sent to the patient? And what are the communications that are now through the self scheduling software leading up to the patient's appointment? And that's where as we talk about kind of operations and marketing coming together as new tools like self scheduling are coming online. That's where that marriage is more and more important.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, something that a lot of people don't consider is how closely marketing and operations really should work, especially as like you said, with the rise of not only self-scheduling, but just with automation in general, you know, like with automatic feedback surveys and review requests and things like that. I mean, marketing and operations have to be in lockstep when it comes to these things. And oftentimes they're not because, you know, not through like intentional silos or anything, but marketing is running in one direction and operations is running in another and sometimes pass cross, but really they should kind of be running together. And that's what we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. So what's the next piece of next pivot that you're seeing out there in working with clients?
2: Well, another one has been, again, going back to the idea that consumer trends kind of impacts the patient experience and expectations is a rise in being able to text the office and then get a response back. So this year or this past year in 2020, several clients launched texting campaigns, we help them kind of set up these partnerships and roll out campaigns for these and practices have used these for a couple of different things. Number one, providers checking in after surgeries, so talking directly to their patient via text and before surgery, even sending them quick little videos to say, Hey, hey, here's what to expect tomorrow, everything's going to be okay, this is what's going to happen. See in the morning type thing. We've also seen people book appointments with the front desk during business hours. So again, a kind of a different take on self scheduling, but actually have people text in and say, Hey, do you have anything for next Tuesday at 11, and then have the front desk coordinator or the scheduler on the other end through this HIPAA compliant texting service, and being able to book them and confirm it right there. It's a little bit better of a patient experience because that person is able to actually have a conversation rather than just fill out 15 fields on a form. And we've also seen a lot of people just asking quick questions. So some people, especially the younger generation, will just text in with a question, do you take this insurance? Do you offer this procedure? Are you doing any discounts on a particular service right now? If it's a spa, for instance. So I think that's another thing that as people kind of get used to the idea that this is okay, this is depending on the service that you're using, it's totally HIPAA compliant. As offices buy into that, and then start to market that patients will gladly embrace it in 2021.
1: Yeah. And I think it just kind of goes back to what we were saying previously is that the expectation is out there, but we have to be really cautious of just jumping the gun and trying to find a solution that fits because when we find a solution and we have a bunch of different solutions that are maybe not totally interconnected, whether it's self-scheduling or texting or marketing to after the appointment's been made and things of that nature, it can feel very disjointed. And that kind of disjointed nature is what can erode the patient experience. And so So, I think we have to put the, we have to understand that there's patient expectations that 2020 has really shifted the expectation a bit. And then there's technologies allowing us to meet those expectations. However, patient experience has not caught up to, or the thought about patient experience hasn't necessarily caught up to the technology. And texting is just another area that I think we have to always take a step back and think about how does this impact the patient's experience at our practice? Because one area that will not be changing in 2020, are, is the value that reviews play in the big picture. And if you aren't able to control the patient's experience of your practice because you're using a third-party software to help you deliver a texting solution that gets kind of wonky, then you're not able to control the wonkiness factor, which can then really be detrimental to your overall marketing. So just something to pay attention to.
2: Yeah, and I think that the if you zoom out a little bit, as much as may pain some practices and providers to so hear it, you know, the the patients of today they're consumers they're not just patients they're not just coming to you for healthcare i mean of course they are but everything that kind of goes into that is very consumer minded and that's a huge shift and we have to treat it as such so you know just going back to the idea of of sexing for a second you know most people are used to if you have an issue or, or what have you you can either tweet at the the brand or jump on and talk to a support representative from amazon or whatever the case may be again that's been a shift in the consumerism side and people are okay doing that. They expect to be able to do that. So that's sort of filtering down now into the healthcare world. And we're seeing that from pretty much just every angle. I mean, reviews matter, right? If you're going to go buy a TV, you're going to look at what TV has the best reviews and is in your price range. Just like when you're going to decide on a knee surgeon, you're going to see who takes your insurance and who has the best reviews and is close by. So a lot of these things on the consumer side have really shifted and made their way into healthcare. That's a big one that's going to continue as well. And you know, whether we like it or not, we're going to have to start treating patients like consumers and like what we were saying earlier, and specifically, I think Jen you made the point of sometimes we don't control all of these messages or what happens after the fact or after the appointment. But, you know, if you treat your patients like consumers, then you very much know that when you sign up for a service or you purchase something, there's always some sort of like drip campaign or something that comes after you <laughs> from the consumer side. And I think that that's just around the corner for healthcare as well.
1: Yeah, and Corey, I think that's a great place to go ahead and wrap it up. We've been, we've been going at it and we've got a lot of work to do in 2021, and I'm sure everybody else does. But the big takeaway here is that in 2020, a lot has happened that changed patient's expectations. And it's now time for marketing and operations to come together to help those expectations. But we can't forget about the experience of the patient and how that really plays into the bigger picture as it relates to your reputation and your ability to market and grow your practice in the future. And so with that, I am Jennifer. I'm Corey. And we'll see you next time on the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast.
0: Thanks bunch. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Marketing Tips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to Learn more about. Check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time doctor's orders.